Welcome to the Higgins House and my mommy's podcast. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Higgins House. I am so excited for this series that we are going to start. You know, when we started this podcast, the entire purpose and point of the podcast was to reach 10,000 moms in a year. That is still an ongoing goal of ours, and it will continue to be a goal of ours. And I wanted to hear from every kind of mom, and I still want to. But the primary thing that I needed to focus back to is what kind of mom I am and what created the Higgins house and what got us here and how we survive, how we thrive, how we sometimes don't thrive. Um, And all of that is encompassed around a diagnosis that I and my son both have. Um, And so I have found over time in my work in general, in education, in my work, meaning in how I live my life, um, and in just research and data and information that I've gathered, I realize that a lot of people in this world don't actually know and understand what ADHD is. And so if you're new around here, you haven't heard previous episodes, you're just here for the first time, I am Andrea Higgins. I am the mama of the Higgins house, and I um, have ADHD. I was not diagnosed until I was an adult. I also have anxiety and depression. Uh, My son, Zane, was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of four. Um, And so I am not just living with ADHD. I am also now trying to raise a child with ADHD. Um, And so I kind of just decided it was time, one, this is a huge audience that doesn't get a lot of feedback, a lot of information, a lot of podcast books. Tons of books and stuff are written about ADHD. Like, let's be honest, it's everywhere. But to find the one that matches you and that works for you can be really difficult. So I wanted to create a series um, kind of around our world as we know it, facts and information that we've gathered, resources that we've gathered, information that I've learned about myself and my child through this journey. And obviously it is an ongoing journey. And so I decided that we're going to kind of split this into a multi-episode series. Um, I think we'll have around four episodes, um, this being episode one. Um, and I want to really address what is ADHD? What does that mean? How is it perceived in the in the real world? How is it misperceived in the real world? Um, and then part two being ADHD in adulthood. Maybe you are the parent in the home that has ADHD and no one else does, or your spouse does not, or maybe you are the spouse and your husband or wife has ADHD and you're just trying to figure out how to survive without killing them (laughs) or, um, you know, all those things. Maybe you were diagnosed as a child and now you're living with resources that work for you. Maybe you weren't uh, diagnosed until adulthood and you're trying to figure out how the hell to survive. We are going to just dive in. So episode one, this episode will be really focusing on what ADHD is. Part two will be ADHD in adulthood. Part three will be raising an ADHD child. We're going to look at it from a lot of different perspectives. Obviously, my perspective is I am raising my child as also an ADHD individual. So I have kind of a different perspective, um, but I want to bring in some other people um, with alternative perspectives as well. And then I also want to address ADHD in the classroom. Um, I am an educator at heart um, to begin with. I am also about to finish my degree to be an educational diagnostician. 
My goal after that is to become a a licensed school psychologist. I'm debating clinical versus school psychology, which we will get into their their differences in that episode. Um, But I want to try to really cover a huge umbrella that is ADHD. And so let's get started first and foremost with what is ADHD? A lot of the world says, oh, ADHD, it's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. If, if you don't know, that is what those letters stand for, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The DSM-5, which is the diagnostic manual that doctors, uh, clinical practitioners use to diagnose people, um, lists ADHD only. Um, if when you were my age, it had ADD and ADHD, um, one with hyperactivity, one without. They've since removed ADD. It is all under the umbrella of ADHD, whether you have the hyperactivity or not, which is very mis, misrevealing. It's when you have a kid walk in your class or you have a student come in your, you know, your VBS class or whatever, and somebody says, oh, they have ADHD, but they're not really hyper. It's kind of confusing. It's it's kind of, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so one of the biggest things that I have learned in diving into my research is that ADHD in and of itself, the title alone is really so misleading because if you were to sit back and be honest with yourself right now, if you do not have ADHD, you are not surrounded by somebody with it, or even maybe you are, you're a teacher, your spouse, and you're still kind of trying to figure it out, um, I want you to stop and think, even pause it and write it down. What do you think firsthand when you hear, oh, I'm ADHD, or oh, my child is ADHD? What is the first thing that comes to mind? For most people, it's, oh, that kid's just really easily distracted and they can't pay attention. It's fine. They'll get over it. Oh, that kid cannot be still to save his life. He just climbs all over everybody. He's just really hyper. He, his mom needs to chill out on the sugar. It's no big deal. Oh my gosh, that kid cannot shut up. He never stops talking. I'm sure people say this about me as an adult. They, oh my gosh, they just, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And the younger they are, the cuter that is. And then the older they get in school, the less cute that is. But a lot of times ADHD is misperceived as laziness as an inability to pay attention, and as something that you need to just work harder on to fix. And that's just not our reality. So ADHD is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders in childhood. It's usually diagnosed in younger childhood. Um, Obviously, we started with Zane. He was very young at age four. That is much younger than usual, But with my history and my knowledge in the education field and my history with special education and all of that, I had some other information that I was bringing to the table, um, typically six or seven. Um, And a lot of times people think, oh, they have ADHD. They'll grow out of it. They'll get over it. They'll figure out how to survive. They'll figure out how to pay attention one of these days. They'll learn how to shut up one of these days. They'll stop interrupting one of these days. Children and people, adults in general with ADHD are not going to grow out of these behaviors. They're not going anywhere. They can continue to progress. And a lot of times in men and boys, um, as they grow older, they actually have a tendency for their symptoms to, to diminish, not go away, but to see less of. 
women on the op- opposite end actually tend to get worse. We have a tendency to have a harder time, and we're going to talk about some of those things here in a little bit, but typically somebody with ADHD, you know, they forget or they lose things, but the reality is we're going to talk about Dr. Russ- Russell A. Barkley. Um, if you've never heard of him, I talk about him a lot on Instagram, um, and if you've never looked him up, I highly suggest you do. I'm actually going to pull up on my computer. What does Dr. Barkley describe ADHD as? And his definition, he's very kind of out of the box. Dr. Barkley's theory of ADHD posts that the hyperactivity subtype of ADHD, which represents most children, as well as the majority of research and knowledge that we have, is actually a disorder of impulsivity and self-control, not attention. So if I were to walk up to you and I was to say, hey, you know, we're going to work on this. I have ADHD and I need these, we call them in the school district, accommodations. I need these things to help me be able to pay attention to this this thing that you're about to do. Most people roll their eyes at that. If I walked in and I said, hey, I have a disorder where I have a really hard time with impulsivity and self-control. These are the things that I need from you to help me deal with that and to help me complete this task in the most positive way possible. When you hear words like disorder and impulsivity and self-control and or the lack thereof, your brain immediately thinks of it completely differently. They have individuals with ADHD have no deficit of attention or input. We know what we want to do. The deficit is how out of control we are to be able to do it. And I don't mean by out of control, hear me when I say, I mean, it's my inability to to function. It's my executive function. I know what I want to do. It's my ability to execute that function and do it. It's my... The deficit is in controlling your executive function. So most people develop that privately, you manage your emotions privately, inside. I don't. I completely lose my marbles, and I do that out loud. And unfortunately, that happens with my spouse. That happens with my children. And it appears that I've completely lost self-control when the reality is my brain skips a step in the processing of my emotions. So I came across um, Mel Robbins, And a PowerPoint that she, a PowerPoint, a podcast that she has, and she has tons of information that she shares, but she talks about how she accidentally got diagnosed with ADHD. They took their, they took her son. He was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia and also, I believe, dysgraphia. And in the process of reviewing his report, she says to the doctor, all of these things, I I think that I, I do these things. Is it possible that I have ADHD? And the doctor looks at her almost shocked and is like, yes, you have. Of course you have ADHD. Like shocked that she didn't already know it. And she is, the more I look into her, the more I think, God, I would love to go hear everything that this woman has to say. She does a lot of speaking events and has written tons of books and podcasts. But she goes through an entire podcast episode where she lists six of the 
symptoms of ADHD as we see it um, that a lot of people don't realize or misconstrue as just something you need to work on. Um, so the first one she lists is an ability to hyper-focus. A lot of times people think that kid cannot have ADHD. He can sit there on a video game for 14 hours and be hyper-focused on that all day long, but he can't sit there for 10 minutes to do his homework. Yes, that is correct. When we have something of interest to us, we hyper-focus. When I decided that I wanted to have this garden in the backyard for two days straight, I was hyper-focused. I drew out plans. I looked up and listened to every podcast, YouTube video, everything I could come up with. I hyper-focused on it, and I couldn't do anything else. So I can hyper-focus on things that I enjoy, teaching you about ADHD, the garden, outdoor information, all that kind of stuff, but I can barely keep the house together. I can barely keep up with laundry. I don't do laundry one load a day. I do laundry 47 loads at a time because I, I forgot to do it. I missed it altogether. I run the washing machine at least three times because I forgot the clothes were there and now they have to be washed again. So I can hyper-focus on the things I enjoy. And, and a lot of time for our kids, screen time, video games, those kinds of things also bring in dopamine. They, they give you, they give us the happy joyful, happy uh, chemical in our brain that says, oh yeah, I like that. And it gives us instant gratification. The second I push the button, whatever's on the screen happens. The second I change the channel, it happens. It's why people with ADHD really struggled when all of a sudden uh, commercials were a thing. Like I had to sit through commercials and wait for my favorite episodes to come on, right? Like we had to wait. Our children do not know how to function when a commercial comes on. And they lose their marbles, but it's that, it's that instant gratification. I need it right now. Number two was we have a, gr- a huge difficulty in controlling our emotions. I think if any of my ex-boyfriends um, ever listened to any of my episodes, they would probably agree with and or said they broke up with me because sometimes I would completely, uh, we're just going to be straight and honest here, people, okay? I would completely lose my shit. I would completely lose it. And I still do that to this day, but praise God for the man that he created to marry me because he handles it so beautifully. I just sometimes can't control my responses. Sometimes they are rude. Sometimes they are ridiculous. Sometimes they make absolutely no sense whatsoever. And my son does the same thing. You can tell Zane, no, we're not going to do that now. We're going to do it in 30 minutes. And Zane will completely lose it. Falling on the floor, screaming and crying. You would think I set something on fire. Our ability to control our emotions are very difficult. Number three is impulsive shopping and or overspending. And if you know me at all, you know I have this problem religiously. My husband is obviously very aware of it. There is a hit of dopamine that we get when we impulsively buy something and then potentially never wear it again or impulsively eat that snack that is not regularly available to us, we get a hit of dopamine. And this is why so many people who have ADD and ADHD are four times higher to have any kind of self-harm or suicide attempts. And it's actually four times higher in women than it is in men. But our impulsivity of how we respond to trying things or doing things. And I hate to turn that into such a negative and saddening conversation, but it's reality. 
impulsivity isn't just shopping for us. For some of us, the impulsivity is is drinking, is drugs, is driving like a bat out of hell, is shopping, is whatever brings us the hit of dopamine. Our lack of impulsivity, or, or our not lack thereof, our massive impulsiveness can lead us to do some really dangerous things without even thinking twice. Um, number four is time blindness. I have absolutely zero concept of time whatsoever. Now, I can get places on time. Some people I know will say, like, I cannot, no matter how hard I try, get there on time. I can get there on time. Sometimes I can even get there early. My time blindness happens when I arrive. I can drop my kids off with my mother-in-law or my mom or whoever and say, I'm going to run to these two stores. And that could be true. I could, in fact, only go to those two stores. But while in those two stores, I could start on aisle one and ping from aisle one to aisle eight because something on aisle one made me think of something I need on aisle eight and ping back to aisle seven, 12, four, two. I could spend three hours in two stores. And when I leave, people are checking to make sure I haven't died or, you know, crashed or done something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just finished my first store. I'll be there after the next store. And the reality is I have no idea. I've been gone three, four hours. I completely lose all track of time unless I have constant timers and alarms going off for myself. Number five, a common misconception is that individuals with ADHD, additionally with anxiety, depression, those kinds of things, are not high-functioning. We hear that term high-functioning in autism a lot, and I want to reiterate, this is a different kind of function that we're we're referring to. High-functioning meaning I look or can look very successful in my job. I can look I, and I've had people say this, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you say, do all of these things and stay on top of it and sleep and take care of your kids and do this and do that. I don't know any other way but to constantly be busy. Because if I am not constantly busy, my brain does not know what to do with itself. It doesn't know how to function. And so for me, being medicated, that is it helps with that. And obviously that is not how everybody chooses to live their life. And this is not an episode to discuss whether or not you should be medicated. But for me, that is how that works out. And so a lot of times it's like the term, the title, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, plus the fact that we can live and look very successful when in reality in inside, sometimes we're having a really hard time is very it's a misconception to people. They think she's fine. She has a hard time paying attention. She never shuts up, but she's fine. Look at her. She's doing a great, she's doing a great job, whatever. Or they hip hop from job to job to job to job. And people be like, oh, she has ADHD. So she can't keep a job. No, I can keep a job. I get bored at my jobs. And that's not a hit to anyone that I work with or that is with me. It is my own personal inner reflection of struggles that I have. I have to constantly be on the lookout for what I enjoy and and pinging off of that and and learning from that. Uh, Number six is probably the most important one, and it is we are or can be. I never want to say we are. I don't speak for the entire world of individuals with ADHD. When anytime I say we, I am referring to myself, can be extremely self-critical of ourselves especially as someone who was not diagnosed until I was older. 
because I was not diagnosed until I was an adult when I was in college, when I finally got the diagnosis, everything started to make sense. The reason that I do things the way that I do, the reasons I can't, I don't read for fun because I can't read. I can read. I know how to read words, but I can't just sit down and read a book. Those people who get to go like sit in a window, you know, like sit at a coffee shop and read a book and enjoy their life. I'm like, how on God's green earth do you do that? I can't do it. I have to listen to a book on audio and usually I have to listen to it two, three, four times because I'm doing other things while I'm listening and I'll miss part of it. And I'll be like, oh crap, wait, what was that? And I'll rewind it. But we can become extremely self-critical and me, myself personally, this is the hardest part of ADHD for me because I am incredibly self-critical on myself in my own personal life, in my job, in motherhood specifically. I can go zero to a hundred in no time flat. I can, I get so frustrated when other people in my perspective, other people's lives are so well put together. They're so organized. They, they get up and they get to school on time and they're not, you know, running around like a chicken with their head cut off and they do this and they do that. And it looks like it comes so easy to them. And the reality is it may not come easy to them, They may just not have the additional hurdles that I have on top of theirs, but I will beat myself to a pulp. And when you have anxiety and depression, in addition to ADHD, which a vast majority of individuals, it's called comorbidity is the fancy word for many, many, many people with ADHD also have a secondary diagnosis, typically anxiety, um, uh, depression, depression, dyslexia is another big one. Um, There's a lot of them. But when I have both and they combine, I can get in a very deep and dark place. And it's something I really have to work on heavily on myself, with my counselor, with communication with my husband. I have to really, really watch how critical I am of myself because it can take a turn very, very quickly. Um, So, That's what ADHD is. It's not just a lack of focus, a lack of ability to pay attention, a lack of ability to be still. It is a, it is a disorder that keeps me from functioning. And sometimes I just wish people would understand like my executive, it's an executive function disorder. I know what I want to do, but my ability to follow through with it can be really, really, really difficult. And so a lot of times people just don't understand. And so that's why what I really want to do with this series is really ensure that you understand what ADHD is, what it means for us. In episode two, I will talk more about living with ADHD as an adult, the process, my journey, my getting diagnosed, uh, my journey through finding different ways to work through it, my journey to deciding to do medication, my mental health journey. We're going to talk all about that. And I'm also going to talk with some other friends who are not ADHD, but are married to somebody who is. And it, it, it plays a huge role. And I cannot, I cannot stress enough. A lot of you are listening to these episodes because you are ADHD or you have a child with ADHD and you're like, yeah, I want to know more about it. I cannot stress enough. If you know someone who just doesn't get it, uh, but is obviously willing to like hear you out. Your or your spouse needs some assistance. These are the episodes 
to really hone in on because I'm really hopeful that these episodes help us understand ADHD in a different light and what it is. Um, In episode three, Raising ADHD, you're going to hear from Zane, our five-year-old. You're also, we're going to go through a book that uh, Dr. Russell Barkley wrote that is called called The 12 Principles to Raising ADHD. Um, It is an incredible book that we are going through, and um, I'm going to kind of go, not, I don't know that I'll go through every single 12 principle uh, of the 12 principles, but I'm definitely going to go through some of the big ones and talk to you guys about how we apply that for ourselves. Um, In episode two, living with ADHD, we're going to talk a lot about different tips and tricks that I have found that work for me. Um, I hope to poll our Instagram audience, get um, some other tips and tricks and ideas of what works for other people. Um, And then in episode four, we're going to really hyper-focus and talk about ADHD in the classroom. So that is going to be geared really for parents advocating for your child um, in the classroom and as teachers, maybe having a different perspective on what ADHD is, maybe having a different outlook on different ways um, that you can, you know, utilize flexible seating in your classroom, um, alternative ways to present things to the child. They're not hard and they don't take two extra seconds to do. I was a teacher. I know how hard it is to add one more thing to your plate. You're like, okay, so now I got this ADHD kid. You want me to do this? Yes. Because when I tell you that it will make your life so much easier, there are some of these things that if people would just understand, instead of battling with the child, with the spouse, with the bestie, instead of constantly being in this back and forth tug of war game of trying to understand each other, If you can dip your toe in the world of us telling you what works for us and hearing us out thoroughly, hearing the parent of the child, hearing the child, it will rock your world, but it will also open a door that says, oh my gosh, look what this kid can do. All I had to do was give him something to bounce on or let him pace in the back of the room, tape off a little area that he could walk back and forth if he needed to, and it doesn't distract anybody. All I had to do was put a piece of tape down and here we are. Yes. Sometimes, yes. So I'm really hopeful that these episodes are going to be beneficial to you guys. Um, A couple of terms and phrases that you will probably hear um, during this um, time frame, obviously ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, SPED is a word that I use in short a lot. That is special education. Um, neurodivergent is a word that was originally utilized, um, when referring to autism spectrum, autism spectrum disorder. Um, neurodivergent is, is a, a word used to describe as differing in mental or neurological function from what is considered typical or normal. So you will hear neurodivergent, um, a lot in referring to, um, that myself, that would be individuals with ADHD, individuals with autism, um, any, anything really that is differing in a mental neurological, um, function than, than that of your quote unquote normal people of the world, which that's a whole other topic to get me started on. But our brain thinks differently. Our brain works differently. And that is kind of where that neurodivergent, um, title comes in. Um, some other ones that 
um, have since kind of fallen under neurodiversity is autism, ADHD, dyspraxia, and dyslexia. Um, those all kind of fall under those conditions. Um, neuro differences are recognized um, and appreciated in social categories similar to difference in ethnicity, sexual orientation, gender, or ability. So it's not those things. It is what makes me think differently. Hold on just a second. My little one, my little man Zane's here. What's up, bud? You need to, you want to come up here and say hello? Okay, come here. Oh, you need to go potty first. Okay, well, Zane would like to come up and say hello in just a minute. And so I'll, I'll let him say hello and kind of give you guys a little peek um, into our world that is Zane. Um, but like I said, ADHD, um, SPED, special ed, um, neurodivergent, um, LSSP is licensed school psychologist, licensed specialist in school psychology. Um, that will come along with the teaching ADHD. So we'll probably have like important words to know on today's episode, um, you know, like a vocab word of the day. Um, and so I hope that you guys learn something from these episodes. All right, Zane, come on. Okay, so, oh, all right. So Zane, can you say hello? Oh, your legs squish. No, just sit right here and talk to us in our microphone. Here you go. Say hello. I don't have any headphones. Oh, okay. So sorry. All right. So Zane, tell them. Oh, goodness gracious. Wasn't prepared for a duo today. All right, Zane. Tell the folks your whole name. What's your name? Uh, who, who are you? You don't know. My name is. Are you Billy Bob Joe or what? Your name is Zane Higgins. And how old are you, Zane Higgins? You're not six. <laughs> You're five. And what grade are you going to go into? What grade are you going to go into? Pre-K. Kinder. You just finished pre-K. What is your favorite thing in the whole wide world to do? Golf. Golf? <laughs> yeah. Um, and what is your favorite food? Have you ever even had a cucumber? Oh, you're a stinker pie. Okay. <laughs> Tell the folks bye. Mommy's about to be done, and then we'll go upstairs, okay? I want to do another podcast. Yep, in just a minute we will, okay? All right, so. Oh, God. Okay. All right, so that is Zane. Um, you he- can hear a little bit of that impulsivity in his responses and how he answers. He li- he does that a lot when he's in a different um, social environment, and that is socially something else we're going to talk about. But, um Saying, sweetheart, we're stuck. So anyways, um, that is the end of today's episode. Again, we will be back with part two and part three and part four. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for everybody to um, hopefully learn something from today. And uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I will see you guys next time. Ooh.